So change is definitely afoot in India, and uh, increasingly there is an ecosystem. I am quite well tied to my alma mater at IIT Madras, and the entrepreneurship cell there is doing quite well. Not only with uh, respect to the Flipkarts and the Zomatas of the world, but uh, real infrastructure companies are coming up. Uh, the IITs have always been hotbeds of innovation when it comes to developing ideas and proving them out. Uh, it's just commercializing them has been, you know, uh, less possible in the past. But I believe change is afoot. Hi. Welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs, and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hari Arakli, and in this episode, Prakash Govindan, co-founder and COO of Gradient, a water treatment technologies company, talks about how his love for building products took him from academic research to being a first-time entrepreneur. Ten years on, Gradient has evolved into a mid-sized leader in managing water treatment for global customers including semiconductor companies and pharmaceuticals giants. Gradient, with its innovation and R&D efforts out of Boston and Singapore, has just won new contracts in India, where the company will soon establish an R&D team. Prakash, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for making time for this uh, and great chance for me at a sort of very uh, relevant time to learn about a company that's steeped in uh, water-related technologies at a time when the whole climate change crisis is so urgent and there's a global water crisis and so on. So looking forward to this uh, conversation. Uh, no, Hari, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, water is very important. That's what makes our planet unique, uh, and it's a largely uh, taken for granted resource. Uh, so we do important work at Gradient, and I'm excited to discuss that with you. All right. And just for general listeners and folks who may not know about your work, uh, and although you come from Chennai, maybe you can start by giving us a snapshot of your journey from growing up in Chennai to MIT to how you started Gradient, and let's go from there. Sure, sure. Uh, I uh, grew up in Chennai uh, in uh, uh, in a typical uh, middle class, lower middle class kind of background. Um, and uh, I went to a very good schools in Chennai, uh, including IIT Madras. And uh, till I was 24, I lived there, uh, especially towards the uh, second half of uh, my uh 24 years in Chennai, uh, Chennai had a lot of water issues. Mm. There were droughts and uh, the return monsoon was not bringing any rain. So the, the taps used to run dry often and we used to get uh, water in uh, trucks. And uh, my brother and I have an younger brother. Uh, our task was to go down, bring water up in buckets whenever the, the lorry, whenever the truck comes. So that taught me early on the importance of water. And later on, uh, when I graduated from IIT Madras, I had an opportunity to uh, do my graduate studies, my PhD at uh, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And I sought out and was uh, fortunate enough 
to get an opportunity to work with John Leonhardt, who is the water guru at MIT, um, because uh, I thought it's a nice fit as, as I knew how important water was as a resource from personal experience. Um, so then I went to MIT <clears throat> with the primary career goal of becoming a professor. And within six months, just watching my professor's life, I decided it's not a fit for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, very soon I became very close friends with another uh, one of my lab mates, Anurag Bajpai, who later on uh, I started Gradient with. Um, Anurag and I both were working on water. He was working for Professor Gang Chen and I was working for Professor Lian Hart. And uh, <clears throat> he had a very entrepreneurial brand, Anurag. So the four plus years I was at MIT, he kept talking to me about starting a company and uh, kind of the bug bit me, if you will. And out of, uh, out of a desire to create something that can uh, conserve uh, and, and enhance water for generations to come, uh, we started Gradient at that point. We had developed uh, some cutting edge technology to uh, concentrate high salinity brines and recover fresh water in the process. And uh, based off those few patents, we started Gradient. And you know, the rest is history, as they say, from two people. We have been very fortunate to find funding, to find a wonderful team, and uh, also develop further technologies. So from 10 patents, we have grown to 200 patents from two people. We have grown to uh, close to 1,000 people at this point, including mm -hmm. offices uh, in over 10 countries uh, in the world. So that's a little bit of a snapshot. Is that okay? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, briefly, I'm curious, what did you not like about the academic pursuit? <laughs> it's not, I, I was pretty good at it, to be honest. But uh, uh, for me to uh, pursue research for just from the point of view of creating new knowledge, which is the goal of academia, is not enough. Very mm. practical person. I had to see things through. Mm. Um, so developing products and systems which can actually solve some of humanity's problems uh, is for me a loftier goal than creating knowledge. Okay. D did you all try any other business before starting Gradient? No, no, no. Uh, we It's our first uh, foray as entrepreneurs. And like I said, we've been fortunate. We've been running it for 10 years now, raised over $200 million. And uh, the company is, uh, has been successful. Mm -hmm. um, before uh, Gradient, uh, I worked for a year at a General Electric Company between uh, my my uh, studies at MIT and IIT Madras. Mm -hmm. I worked for a year at uh, GE on the combined cycle power plant optimization. <clears throat> but I don't have any other work experience or entrepreneurial experience. Yeah, no, for me, uh, uh, trying to learn about sort of the big picture of how things are changing in technology in India, it's really fascinating to look at how people like you worked in some really big global companies, whether it's GE or Honeywell or other companies, IBM. And now you're all bringing your experience and your, your own ventures to expand that into India and hopefully deepen the 
science based r&d ecosystem in india which i i mean i guess we can talk about that down the line in this conversation so it's for me it's really fascinating to watch that whole sort of process uh, unfold now it's really interesting the name gradient i'm thinking because of the technologies that you've developed I mean, with osmosis and other techniques perhaps there's some significance to the name uh, can you tell us a bit about that yes it it is a very nerdy name uh, it it's a good name it sounds strong so people mm. like it but it has a very nerdy history um so gradients drive everything so most of what i studied for my phd was fundamental driving forces which drive water treatment desalination kind of processes mm. and those forces are local gradients of temperature and concentration and cross gradients so mm. even if you look at gradients logo right it is g r a d i a and t and that second a is a delta Mm. and mathematically delta nt is a cross gradient of concentration and temperature mm. <laughs> so that's that's how the name came about uh. just like gradients drive everything in nature um we we aspire for the company to drive the water industry forward can you delve into the uh, overview of the company a little bit more i mean you already mentioned uh, now you're a thousand strong company you've raised 200 million dollars in funding Tell us a bit more about your operations, uh, which are the important markets that you operate in. Um, I understand you have a, a global R and D center now in Singapore. Maybe also give us some names of well-known customers. Anything else that you can think of? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so Gradient has evolved to, from uh, one technology uh, startup to an end-to-end uh, water treatment solution provider. We provide. bespoke water treatment solutions our main clients are fortune 100 companies in mining in semiconductor in uh, downstream oil and gas in uh, pharmaceuticals uh, and uh, including in a uh, uh, recent foray into photovoltaic manufacturers including in india <clears throat> so what we do typically let's take semiconductor for example is as an average size uh, semiconductor foundry uh, consumes about 10 million gallons of water a day um, and that is typically withdrawn from groundwater which could otherwise be used for domestic consumption human consumption right so what we do is and in the process of producing whatever they produce they also contaminate that water with minerals with organics with toxic contaminants even and they produce various kinds of wastes so what gradient does is we take these waste streams these wastewater streams and we have technologies which we build a end to end solution out of which then produces the uh, requisite quality and quantity fresh water so instead of uh, consuming 10 million gallons a day of water uh the foundry will now consume only 500000 gallons a day which is you know a 95% reduction in withdrawal and this is very important in certain places for example in taiwan 65% of their water withdrawal is by semiconductor industry mm. so you can imagine the amount of impact that this kind of uh circular economy uh, reuse within the same uh industry can can do and semiconductor is not the only example 
Uh, pharmaceuticals is the other um, and mining is another. For example, in Chile, in the Atacama province, uh, about 70% of all water withdrawal is for mining. And if we can recycle 95% of that water within the industry, yeah, it has a huge impact on on the water availability for local consumption. <clears throat> so that that's what we do. However, uh, um, in addition to providing end-to-end, uh, you know, technology and equipment and and project development, we also provide digital solutions, water um, uh, treatment plants. There's a lot of data and managing that data and optimizing the operations using machine learning and artificial intelligence is something we got into in the last uh, two to three years. And we have developed a product called Smart Ops, <laughs> which does that for our customers. Mm. And you also just today announced three new contracts in India as well, worth something like $20 million in revenue to gradient over the life of those projects. Tell us a bit about these. Yes, uh, Indian team has been doing really well. <laughs> India has always been a very important market for uh, for Gradient, for Anurag and I, not just because, you know, it's an Indian-founded company, uh, albeit an American company, but also because the relevance of uh, India to, to uh, the larger manufacturing world. Like you know already, a lot of drug manufacturing has moved to India, and increasingly mm-hmm. we believe uh, many other industries which are water stressed and which uh, consume large quantities of water and which also can potentially contaminate um, environment with uh, toxic waters and contaminated waters um, will move to India and is moving to India. So it's been an important market. We started our Indian foray in 2017. And we have about 80 people in India. Team is doing really well. The three projects are very promising projects, requires cutting edge technology, our uh, ROI or reverse osmosis infinity, our carrier gas extraction, which are brine concentration techniques. Uh, we are supplying uh, as part of the end-to-end solution to these. Uh, the two of the projects are with large uh, uh, solar, f- solar photovoltaic manufacturers. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. And one of the projects uh, is for an industrial uh, protective equipment manufacturer. So um, we're very optimistic on India. India is doing very well as an economy and country. And uh, we believe we can uh, serve the market there really well. Can you can you sort of give us a, a layman's understanding of the the two different uh, products and technologies that you just mentioned? So, um, Hari, we have about 250 patents which are cover which cover about nine different technologies. Um, about uh, seven of those technologies are commercial and um, about uh, five of those are advanced commercial, like they are um, a technology readiness of nine and a half or ten out of ten. So uh, I'll talk about those mature technologies. The first of which I already mentioned is called RO Infinity. RO is reverse osmosis. Reverse osmosis is a technology that is perhaps a few decades old, six, seven decades old. 
and uh, been very successful in uh, not only replacing uh, thermally driven techniques for large scale seawater desalination, but also all kinds of other uh, desalination um, and uh, freshwater production from saline streams application, including brackish water, industrial water treatment, etc. Uh, there are limits to reverse osmosis. Uh, typically, there are two limits. One is uh, the as the osmo as the water gets concentrated, as you extract fresh water from a saline stream using an RO membrane, uh, the osmotic pressure of the leftover brine increases exponentially uh, with concentration. And at some point, you can't provide enough hydraulic pressure to overcome the osmotic pressure barrier and produce fresh water. What that means is um, you uh, require very, very high pressures to produce uh, fresh water after a limit, after you have already taken out a certain amount of fresh water from the saline stream. So Gradient's first ROI technology, which was called counter flow reverse osmosis, broke that barrier by using a counter flow stream which cuts the osmotic pressure instead of using a cross or typical RO is cross flow. So using a sweep solution on the counter side, we reduce the osmotic pressure and we were able to concentrate the water to or close to saturation of salt. Typically, mm. right, uh, one is able to concentrate water in RO to say 2x the concentration of seawater. When I say saturation of salt, that's six to seven x the concentration of seawater. So paradigm uh, change in the applicability window of RO. The second ROI uh, innovation uh, is uh, breaking the other barrier of RO, which is typically uh, when you don't want to concentrate water to that high levels uh, that I mentioned earlier, and you just want to extract as much fresh water as possible, but uh, limit your recovery to a lower percentage. The limit becomes formation of scale because as you concentrate water, there are two things in the water that concentrate. One is the dissolved salts, which is typically sodium chloride. Mm -hmm. But there is uh, sparingly soluble salts such as calcium sulfate and others, which sometimes come out of solution and form a layer of solid uh, scale on the membrane, thus rendering the membrane useless. So mm. that first barrier I talked about already with the CFRO, the second barrier, we break using semi-batch technology. So instead of running reverse osmosis in a continuous manner, we run it in a semi-batch manner, which means there is a you continue to concentrate and at some point you flush the system with new brine and you then start from scratch and continue to concentrate instead of having a, a what they call a, be, a feed and bleed where uh, you concentrate continuously to fixed levels you in a semi-batch system concentrate in a varied manner uh, to higher and uh, lower levels so this i mean I uh, maybe i'm getting too technical but this uh, pushes the uh, limit at which the sparingly soluble salts form scale. So that is the ROI suite, those two innovations. We have about 40 patents on that. Uh, fundamentally changes how, our, what RO can do. Fundamentally expands the applicability window of RO. 
Uh, we also have carrier gas extraction, which is our flagship product, the topic of my PhD thesis. Uh, carrier gas extraction mimics nature's rain cycle. So mm -hmm. this, this is a humidification, dehumidification system, which uh, is a way, uh, which is a smart evaporator, uh, which uh, uses thermal energy to concentrate brines to all the way up to saturation of salt and produce a lot of fresh water. Unlike other evaporators, it's an adaptive system. It senses change in conditions, which is very important uh, in industrial water treatment. Variability in water quality is the hallmark, uh, and it's the very, very difficult part of the design of an industrial water treatment system. So evaporators, Achilles heel has always been that it cannot handle variability. So we built an evaporator via carrier gas extraction system, which can handle that. <clears throat> In addition, I already also mentioned our smart ops technology, which is the artificial intelligence uh, and operating system for our water treatment plants. And over the last couple of years, including via our acquisition of a Canadian company, we have advanced that product line and a lot of our plants that go online now uh, have this AI as part of uh, what we supply. Mm. With the uh, reverse osmosis unit, I mean, just to give people a sense of uh, how effective it is, in sort of a very oversimplified manner, for every 100 units of uh, unprocessed uh, solutions that you put in, how many units of fresh waters, water can you extract uh, in a day? And typically, what's the kind of capacity are you talking about? For brackish water systems, we can go all the way up to 99 plus percent of recovery of fresh water. Mm. Of course, when your feed is more concentrated like a seawater system, instead of doing a 50% recovery, you can go up to 80, 85% recovery, which is a huge increase in the amount of water produced from uh, the desalination plant. Mm. Mm. And so in, in the industrial application, typically, what, what's a good way of uh, you know, understanding in, in a semiconductor plant, for example, how many of these units would they need? How does all of that work? So the semiconductor uh, example that I mentioned earlier is also relevant here, Hari. So 10 million gallons a day is a lot of water. Yeah. And, and instead of consuming that, if we can reduce it down to 500,000 uh, gallons per day, um, that's a 95% reduction in the amount of water withdrawal. That is the single most important parameter. Um, if you're thinking in terms of cost, uh, compared to the life cycle cost of water, which would include in a regular situation, the cost of sourcing the water, the cost of disposing contaminated waste. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and uh, the cost of handling that water in the interim, compared to that, uh, when you put a gradient treatment system down for a chip foundry in semiconductor, uh, we are typically half the cost of the existing cost of water. We also have one other relevant metric is CO2 emissions. Mm. We also save a lot of energy consumption. Like, for example, the CGE technology that I mentioned has a fraction of the thermal and electrical energy needs of any competing operator because like I said, it's adaptive. It adapts to the incoming water quality continuously. Um, and hence, uh, 
you know we can save you know at a given plant in a year millions of tons of co2 and uh, you know in the context of uh, all the sort of deep science based uh, technologies that you have developed all these uh, hundreds of patents that your company has won i'm interested in your thoughts on what you make of uh, uh, the ecosystem in india or the lack of an ecosystem in india to support these kinds of uh, serious science based ventures uh, i mean from the time that you were studying in iit madras to today can you sort of think a lot about some of the changes uh, that you have seen in india i mean what's good and what is still missing you know when we started gradient and for the first 5 7 years um i used to say tell people um my friends family even others i mean um i was so lucky to be in boston and at mit to start gradient along with anurag at that time because a similar venture in india wouldn't have gotten funded and you know this is not a um a app or a it venture this is very capital intensive business so it takes uh, deep pocketed and deep pocketed investors who also have a appreciation and understanding for this kind of hardware play um but changes afoot in india over, over this period that we have run gradient um uh, increasingly it has become possible uh with with not only uh, foreign uh, private equity and venture capital coming in but also but also local homegrown investors who there is a new developing ecosystem so change is definitely afoot in india and uh, increasingly there is an ecosystem i am quite well tied to my alma mater at iit madras and the entrepreneurship cell there is doing quite well not only with uh, respect to uh, you know um, app companies uh, the flipkarts and the zomatas of the world but uh, real infrastructure companies are coming up uh, the iits have always been hotbeds of innovation when it comes to developing ideas and proving them out uh it's just commercializing them has been um you know uh less possible in the past but i believe change is afoot mm. can you talk a little bit more about what you feel is still missing simply because uh not because you know people are not working in those areas but maybe because some of these things take a long time and you know plenty of hard work and money to to get them and for example in your case like you said you're able to translate your lab research into a commercial product and there is a business ecosystem to support that with money and experience and so on so w- what do you feel is missing in the indian uh, ecosystem for the sort of today it's that whole umbrella phrase of deep tech mm. um well, i wouldn't say fully missing but uh, uh things that can perhaps be improved one is one starts from our course curriculum at iit for example and 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 other universities uh and india has several good ones right uh, the national institutes of technologies are not far behind the indian institute of technologies mm. and uh while the theoretical basis that is taught to at, at iit is second to none perhaps in the world um the practical aspect the hands on aspect at mit the the motto is hands in mind um and and you can't 
graduate the program without doing a whole bunch of stuff with your own hands and building stuff. And uh, whereas our IIT graduates come out brilliant with respect to the theory and the math, uh, uh, to commercialize technology, you have to be very hands-on, especially uh, in an industry like mine, water treatment, power, that kind of stuff. And uh, so that's one aspect. The, the course curriculum or the training piece uh, at, our, at our IITs, uh, which which is getting better. A lot of our staff, uh, professors at IIT now have very international expo- exposure and they are um, uh, bottoms up. Uh, they are... Um, they they are slowly modifying the curriculum to be more hands on. Um, so again, changes afoot, but uh, and we'll get there. I'm very optimistic. Second is a sort of investors who have patience. This is not a this this kind of company is not a you know overnight. Uh, Facebook Facebook will buy you for thirty billion dollar kind of thing. You have to build it very patiently. Uh, you know, we are building water treatment plants. It's a very, um, uh, what to say, hard industry the, to accept change. So from even customer adoption point of view, you have to get the technology right and you have to be patient. Uh, and uh, if you have to be patient, your investors have to be patient. So investors who <clears throat> can take the long view when they put money into startups, and really understand the importance of climate change and and water as a resource. Uh, there, there are quite a few of those in the U.S. and uh, mainly in the U.S. Um, uh, that that's an ecosystem that can be better in India. I would say mainly those two things. We definitely have the talent, so that is the positive. As much as any other place, the the IATs especially um, have really good uh, people who uh, are uh, would make excellent entrepreneurs and and that's been proven out as we speak okay especially on the software side uh, with the acquisition of uh, sinautra in canada which you mentioned earlier on i'm wondering if uh, perhaps there's an opportunity to expand your r&d footprint into india is it something you're already doing or are there any plans uh, it is in the works already um so we have two global labs, two global technology centers, uh, one in Boston and the other in Singapore. And uh, we plan to set up um, R&D centers. We already have um, project-based R&D happening out of Chennai and uh, our other offices in India. And we plan to set up labs in the com- coming year or so uh, not only in India, but also Australia, perhaps uh, closely located with um, IIT Madras, so we can leverage uh, some of uh, the cutting-edge research that's going on there. Mm. Now you, you talked about how these kinds of uh, companies take a lot of patience and uh, it takes uh, you know several years to develop products that, before they can eventually be commercialized. Can you give us a sense of where gradient is on that journey i mean you you've said five uh, plus technologies are at uh, trl level 9.5 or whatever so I, I mean i'm thinking that you know you're a company that's 
making significant revenues now possibly you're profitable or close to that so just give us a sense of that uh, we're almost there we are profitable uh, this quarter we made significantly positive uh, cash flows um, and uh, <clears throat> the business is uh, more than $100 million in size this year. We have signed contracts for almost twice that for next year. Uh, so we are already very much a mid-sized water company mm. and the first technology-based mid-sized water company at that. There's really no other uh, company like us. Uh, there, there are technology companies in water, but they tend to be um, one-course ponies. Um, so we uh, are one-trick ponies, as the Americans call it. Uh, we have uh, we have the ability to do end-to-end. -end. We are commercially successful, and we are of reasonable scale already. Uh, next is growth. So sort of uh, how do we go from here to a billion dollars in sales, which is a very interesting challenge. It means bringing on board uh, a team to support us uh, in addition to the wonderful team that we have, which has perhaps done that before, uh, Anurag and I are, of course, first-time entrepreneurs, as I said before, Hari. So we've never built a company with billion dollars in sales, mm. but we we we're confident with uh, the people we are bringing on board. Um, we we can achieve that. Mm. Over the next 12, 18 months, what might be your top priorities? I mean, I know you just mentioned of few of those priorities, possibly those are or a slightly longer period of time. Uh, and as you prepare your company towards this $1 billion revenue uh, milestone in the over the next immediate three, four, five quarters, what are your top priorities? Uh, the, the top priority is execution. So now we have uh, uh, a budgeting list of contracts and our plate is quite full. Mm -hmm. um, we do have capability to deliver more, so we we will take more contracts in the next few months, but it's almost full and delivering on these contracts is the biggest. We have delivered on every single contract since our inception. It's just we are doing a lot more right now. So mm -hmm. that scale-up aspect, uh, that's, that's the key right now. So for us, uh, it's all execution, execution, execution. We believe everything else uh, further funding uh further sales everything will come through all right very nice prakash a wonderful first update for me on your company and your work so thank you again for making time for this and definitely hope to keep the conversation going no hurry pleasure uh, very nice questions and very i know your uh, readership is also very knowledgeable so uh, thank you for having me that's it for this conversation you can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.